Hey everybody, my name is Alec, and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now, before we get started, I wanted to remind you, as always, that there is a fairly new Instagram handle for the podcast. It's Lunchbox Radio, all one word, all lowercase, underscore podcast. Go check that out, and be sure to give it a follow, and you'll know when the next episode drops, or... Like, all the kind of cool, fun anime stuff that I get up to. Like, I posted my Pokemon X Fossil Gengar that I bought day one. And I have what I've come to discover is a fairly low is a fairly low model number on that thing. Because they are popping up on eBay like hotcakes. Because they are super sold out. There's only 1,300 of them. And a watch that I bought for 300 bucks is now worth like anywhere from two to five grand. (laughs) So the world's insane still, in case you were wondering. But um, definitely go check out that Instagram handle. I I post all kinds of anime stuff there. Um, And if you're following me on normal Instagram, definitely still follow me on the podcast one because... I post stuff to the podcast one that you won't see on my general Instagram handle. So definitely go check that out. And on that note, we're going to be talking about something that's odd today, but I wanted to do this as kind of a two-parter because I want to talk about this, what we're going to talk about today, and I want to talk about media literacy as the Sunday show. Um, So if you haven't gone to listen to... My episode on Digimon, definitely go check that out. It's a big old friendship mess all about Digimon. And if you haven't, somehow, somehow, you're one of the five people in my listenership range who have not heard the Cyberpunk Edge Runners episode, just, just go listen to it. Just like it's, it's an hour of content about Cyberpunk Edge Runners. If your brain hasn't been overloaded by that thing yet, it, it, I think it's worth your time to listen to it because I have really interesting thoughts about that, about that world and that game and that show in the context of that world and that game. And I'm, this show got me playing the game again. I don't know what to tell you. But on that note, what we're talking about this week is IGN's top 25 anime of all time. Turn 
pajama time. Come here, little kitties, on my lap. Guess who's back with a brand new rap? And I don't mean rap as in a new case of child molestation accusation. No worries, what else could I possibly do to make noise? I done touched on everything but little boys. Now, before we get dive right into this thing, I want to make a couple, like, I want to say a couple things before we get into dealing with this listicle, because that's what this is. This is a pretty stock standard kind of internet article that is called a list or a listicle, and it, and they usually do pretty well, that's why you see nine zillion of them a day. Um, and they're, they are kind of a quick tool of the trade for the internet journalism outfits of the world. Every, ev kind of everybody does them because they're easy to read, they're satisfying for the reader, blah, 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 blah. If you've ever attempted to write for, um, Wiki, for the, for Wikifan or Wikifandom, whatever it's called now, this is where... They kind of start you. They they ask you for a top ten list revolving around something. And actually, the um, money I've made writing about anime on the internet has directly to do with them because I wrote an article of like five, I think it was five lessons in diversity from anime, and they did like they didn't like it because I wasn't specific enough. I wasn't focused enough. I was not like I wasn't picking a show. And having the whole conversation revolve around that show. That wasn't what I, as the writer of the thing, was interested in doing. I was interested in showing kind of the diversity of anime as a whole and its handling of diversity and difference and differentness. And, the, and their editors just weren't into that because that's not what drives eyeballs to the pages and drives eyeballs to the ads on those pages. And that's really what these 
listicle the kind of serving. They're not serving the thing in the middle. They're serving the things at the edges. They're serving the little ad boxes. The one on IGN right now just went white and changed to um, Return to Monkey Island advertisement. So that's what they're... They're selling you the list, but they're making money off of the eyeballs on ads, if that makes any sense. Um, and that's always kind of the way it's been, and probably is the way it'll be for a while, unless stuff starts massively shifting into like a subscription model, aka like the New York Times or like a proper news organization. But those are those are difficult to deal with, and there's other ways that these sites make money. They make they make money with sponsored with sponsored posts and sponsored articles and all this other stuff. But the long short of it is is that these things are they're not necessarily designed only to create like a buzz, only to create a buzz. But the more buzz they create, the more valuable they are the thing like i i have seen most of the anime youtubers anime tiktokers of my ilk talking about this list um actually um cosplay fiend over on tiktok i follow him on tiktok and instagram because i know him <laughs> i've had him on this podcast before if you're interested in hearing that episode it's in the feed it's been a while but it, he's definitely in there and he brought up this list, and when he brought up this list, I saw the video on um, Instagram, actually. It, it was interesting to me, because he, he went more in-depth than anybody else I'd seen so far, and that made me take a second, like, take a second and be like, maybe I should check this shit out. And then after reading it, I remembered the second thing I want to, like, proclaim here. Did they release this list in 2019, motherfucker? This is an update that's getting this much play. So, like... Yes, this has some new shit in it, but the, it has existed for at least a couple years. And this isn't uncommon that, like, they'll update stuff like this, but it is uncommon that they'll update something like this and then, like, re-blast it out into the world. And I, I kind of know why. I kind of know why they did it. So, I'm not going to go show by show... And tell you the list. I will say this list starts with the 25th show being Haikyuu. And the first show, like the number one on this list, is... What's it called? I can't believe I've got it already. Um, number one on this show is Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. So, here are my... And this is going to be a little bit shorter, probably. Maybe a lot shorter. Although, maybe not. I may be eating my words. Of an episode than it usually is. Um, but here's the. Here's kind of the crux of what I'm seeing here. Of what I'm. Of what I'm. Looking. Of what I see. When I see this list. I see. The kind of. Modernization of anime. And if, and if you. Don't know what I mean by that. I mean. I see a version of anime fandom that is not the weird kid and uh, who reads manga at lunch. I see anime as like a popular kid thing that was this was not true when I was 
a when when I was a youth. When I was a youth, most of the anime kids in my who I was friends with, all of them in my school in my in my schooling, um, were kind of like weirdos and nerds, and that was fine, and we were all cool with each other. I will say when I was in, I believe, must it was um, a specific history teacher I remember. So it must have been when I was a freshman in high school. I was reading the first volume of, of Ranma One Half, and if you've ever seen the first volume of Ranma One Half, it stands out like a sore thumb because it's like what you would consider a Tonkaban size now. It is like three volumes of manga. But, like, it isn't expanded in any way other than the sickness of it. And somebody was, like, stunned that somebody else was reading a comic book in there. I'm like, why are you stunned that that kid's reading manga? And I just, like, reached into my um, messenger bag and I pulled out the giant volume. I pulled out the um, Ranma one-half volume. I'm like, I read manga all the time. And the kid, who I still slightly know today... Straight up send me, yeah, but it's cool when you do it. And that struck me as like this allowance of just like coolness that would not be afforded to other humans and was not afforded to other humans. And like, what's the difference between me and that idiot and, and that and that otaku kid? That otaku kid gets good grades. I read comic books and like fuck off. So, it, what I'm trying to say is that we have come, like, the anime fandom, especially in America, has come a long way from where, it, certainly where it started, and certainly where it was when I entered into it, and even late in my fandom when I was in, like, high school. And the result of that is you get a kind of populism in what's the best and what's not the best. And the reason why I said that, why I told you the beginning and end of this list is because the end of the list, the first, the number one top anime in IGN's opinion is Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. And if you know anything about like Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood holding the number one spot, you know it's not entirely sincere because for years, and I don't know what's... Um, let me pull it up now. Um, I don't know what the number one anime on um, my anime list is right now. But I do know that it, it for many, many years, it was... For like years, years, like almost a decade, it was Full Metal Alchemist. And the reason it was Full Metal Alchemist was not entirely was not entirely honest. The reason it was Full Metal Alchemist was because the internet was like kind of conspiring to keep it there constantly. And the result became like, yes, this show is a marvel. Yes, this show is a masterpiece. And I, as a disabled person, will tell you, that show is a like tour de force of representation of disability in anime. It is incredible. But that doesn't necessarily earn it the top spot, and it certainly didn't shouldn't earn it the top spot forever. And there was a kind of like almost hegemony, like 
um, like world order around keeping that show at the spot at the top. It would sometimes occasionally dip, and then people would flood in and get it back to the top. May have even happened by now. I'm not super sure, but the long and short of it is is that that was like a real demonstration of the power of fandom to enforce its belief against all reality. Even if the show in question is an excellent, excellent masterpiece, tour de force of the medium, it was like the fandom was not giving room for much else at, at that top, at, at that higher echelon. Now, the other thing I want to talk about here is the number two spot. Because the number two spot on this list is pretty... I'm not going to... Like I said, I'm not going to go through all of these moments here. But I'm going to go through a couple of them. The number two spot on this list is held by Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop is more than at least two decades old at this point. Probably closer to three Yes, once again, it is a great show and it still holds up. But there's really nothing else you could have put in the slot. There's really nothing else that you as the editors, who I'll get to some of the editors who contributed to this list clearly, um, could have put here to like demonstrate a point or like push a point. You've got show. It's not like you it's not like they don't have older shows on this list. I think number f- 5 or 6 the, number 5 is Hajime no Ippo and number I think it's number it's in the top 10. I think it's number yeah, it's number 8. It's Yu Yu Hakusho. You've got stuff from the 90s. You've got stuff from that Cowboy Bebop era. You have stuff that sits in the same pantheon as Cowboy Bebop. Part of doing these lists and part of like making this declarative statement on the internet, and this is really important to understand here, is that you are putting your foot in the sand and you you are saying, this is our, these are our picks, these are our journalistic like opinions on what the deal is here. And that comes with a lot of responsibility, a lot of thinking about how the list will work. IGN has done tons of panels, and they've done podcasts that I've skipped because I don't generally like the list-building kind of thing they do. Um, about building lists, that's how much they do it and how often they think about it. And it's a, it's a fun thing to think about, I'll be honest. It's, it's, not, it's not uninteresting. The reason that they always played that game top five on high fidelity is because it's not that uninteresting. It, it, it's not. It's actually a pretty fun time. But it also tells you a lot about the outfit that puts the list together or the person that puts the list together. Everybody always wants to ask me, like, Alex, what are your top five anime? What are your, what's your favorite, what's your favorite show? And I always hesitate to give it because... First off, I've seen hundreds of hundreds, 
probably approaching at least a thousand plus shows in my tenure as an as now an old taku. It's part of the way I can do this podcast and not have and not have to like go rummaging for shows constantly. Like I can I can in the middle of the week before I record be like, oh, what do I talk about? Oh, that one. Okay. And I'll tell you flat out, I've seen all the shows on this list. <laughs> and I'm not saying that's a problem, but it this list is clearly in conversation with cultural relevance. And the reason why I say that is because I think it's number 24. I think it's like the second to last one they, they stuck on, that they stuck on the list is Dragon Ball Z. It's number 23, Dragon Ball Z. And you don't put a show like Dragon Ball Z on this list that also includes One Piece without considering cultural relevance. Except, and this is what I'm going to get into, like, the provisos that they they put in to, like, they have two breakouts in this thing. Like, two, they have an Our Favorite Anime, which includes probably the panel of people who helped create this list. And they have a breakout for Honorable Mentions. So, the, these I will go through in detail. Um... The, in the Our Favorite Anime section, and this is interesting because most of these anime do not show up on this list, which I find interesting. Um, you have Miranda Sanchez, um, a, a, contributing, a contributing editor or a journalist with um, IGN. Her favorite is Kill the Kill. You have... Um, Michelle Saltzman, Monster. Um, Monster's on here, Kill a Kill isn't. You have Mike Mammon, One Piece. One Piece is number three. I think Monster is number four. You have Dragon Ball Z, once again, number three. You have Hunter x Hunter, which I think is like number five. Um, You have, of course, number one, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, Aaron Smith. And you have Space Dandy um, in... Kalani Newman. And then you have a really new addition, um, NARS, that's probably a pen name, um, Cyberpunk Edge Runners. And then Cowboy Bebop is um, Jeff Sheedon's favorite. And what this does is it allows all the editors to like pick a favorite anime and throw it out there into the world. Like throw it out, share that with people. And what this list and its composition tells me, and the addition of this plus the honorable mentions, which I'll get to in a second, says that they were really thinking about cultural significance. That's why you have JoJo at number 20, the entire series, because JoJo has such a cultural grasp on meme culture, on anime on all kinds of things in the media world that if you didn't include it, it would be crazy. And what I think this list's biggest problem is, I think the thing that people are responding to negatively the most, is that 
once you get caught in that, we have to include certain things because of cultural significance, you run the risk of not including other things. Um, for example, like Naruto ship, like, so two of the big three are on here. Um, and to be clear, the two of the big four is actually I'm going to call it because I want to include something specific here. Dragon Ball is on here and um, Naruto is on here. Now the other two of that Pantheon, I would argue, are probably Bleach, if you want to make it the big three. And if you want to expand it a little bit, you should probably include Sailor Moon. Now, if you're going to do a list about cultural significance of anime, it's kind of hard to leave Sailor Moon off the list. And... There are a lot of other shows that have serious cultural significance that aren't on this list. I, the other thing about lists is like the the number they give you is arbitrary. Lists go from twenty five to two hundred. The kind of sweet spot is like top five, but you're doing twenty five if you're serious, and if you're really serious, you're doing fifty to a hundred. They could have done a hundred for this list, and it would have been it would have been a bigger undertaking, absolutely. But it would have had so much more room to move in and out of different genres, of different styles of anime, of diff of more and less popular shows, like, and and really have the space to think about that cultural significance angle because I think that's important and it's clear. That's what they. It's clear that um, I can't take credit for noticing that that one goes to Cosplay Fiend over on TikTok. But it's clear that's what they were looking at when they thought about when when they were thinking about making this making this list, even originally in 2019. And in terms of cultural significance, like what counts the most? If you're going to include JoJo's, which is Yes, now very popular, but still also pretty niche. Do you include Tokyo Ghoul because of its opening? Because of the way that opening rocked the world. Like, we still all hear the... In the back of our head when we think about that show, regardless of how good or bad that show is. I've called that thing a tone poem on this very podcast. But my point is that, like, it's always dangerous to do these things. And I didn't read the um, the people's names out because I want you to go find them or dox them or any of that shit. But there's a reason why instead of going to one media source for one thing, you go to a different one. There's a reason why there are all these specialty... Um, websites popping up and like I will go to the verge to read about like hardcore tech computer stuff but I won't necessarily go to the verge to read about video games I or to hear about video games I'd rather hear about that from a place like IGN or a place like Giant Bomb I'm not saying that they should stay in their lanes and shouldn't explore other things I know that that's not possible considering 
the like cutthroat nature of writing on the internet or or like creating content for the internet. Hell, I've covered live action Netflix shows on this very podcast. Shout out to the episode I did on um, Queen's Gambit, which is just a sports anime um, with live action people. But the long and short of it is that it's it's a big risk because you are you you've got a big microphone and you're making a big declarative statement when you put stuff like this out, even if you're re- just refreshing it. And that brings me to my next issue with this list: that it's very shonen heavy. It's very it's very male oriented. The only show that I bumped into on this list that was like pretty exclusively intended for women is number 16 or in high school host club. And if you're making a, once again, if you're making a, um, definitive 25 anime of all times list and you're not including Sailor Moon, but you are including Orin high school host club. You could swap that. You could swap that and like nobody would fault you for it. Because Orin High School Host Club is a favorite and it's a fun show, but it's a very it's probably the least popular, like hardcore popular show on this list, if you go and look at it. I mean this list has like Devil Man Crybaby, Demon Slayer, Code Geass. Samurai Shampoo. It has like these big knockout drag, knockdown drag out hits of shows on it. And that just doesn't like. If there's a thing that doesn't hang in a world where Sailor Moon should be on this list, I would probably pick Orin High School Host Club, regardless of how, mu- how much people might like it. And I'm sure this list had a lot of infighting of like, no. That show goes on the list. I will die on this hill. In the same way that, like, the Giant Bomb guys, like, <laughs> once a year, if, you, if you're not familiar with Giant Bomb, is like, it's once a year tradition is that they all get in a room and they, ha- they have what they call the Game of the Year discussion podcast. And these podcasts are, like, them knifing each other to get their favorite game on the list of Giant Bomb's Game of the Year. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. Like, at some point, Austin Walker went on, like, a filibuster about Invisible Ink. Uh, people, like... <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, um, when Jeff um, Gershman was still part of the show, it would not be out of character for him to be like, I will cut you. <laughs> And the, like, they they do that intentionally. They go that extreme intentionally because they're opinionated, but also because it's entertaining. And really, at the end of the day, that's what I would love to have for this list, in, in place of this list. I would love to have, like, a roundtable video of them arguing the point, of them giving their stump speech for fucking Bacano <laughs> or giving their stump speech for something like 
um, for something like Demon Slayer or or a high school host club or Attack on Titan or any of these shows because that would be really entertaining and that would be the meat of what this is and that would be what this is inspiring in other fans but it would be from them and it would be them interacting with the fandom in a way that is genuine and less corporatized and driven by ad space than just releasing a listicle is. It also lets you into the reasoning, it lets you like think, and it lets you have the moment of like, well, I mean, I get you're technically right, but shit, okay. And like, another one that if you're considering cultural relevance, why isn't, why isn't there not a Gundam on this list? Why is, why is so many of these things, really? So, here's what I want to talk about, the um, honorable mentions, which comes right before the, um, number 13. Honorable mentions are really interesting here because they have actually a repeat that I'm just noticing now. Like, honorable mentions, Ranma one half. Really interesting. Honorable mention there. Um, Kill a Kill shows up again, which means there is a version of this list that has Kill a Kill on it. And I think that's a better list, honestly. Sailor Moon. Like, what is Sailor Moon not doing on this list? Revolutionary Girl at Utena is a big deal, but it... Uh, you could do... Like, that's a whole... That's a whole conversation of itself that deserves its own saying. Um, Chihiro Furu, Steins Gate, and this is one I thought was really interesting. Um, Jujutsu Kaisen. Because there are two moments on this list. Um, they have, for say, actually three. 15 is Devil Man Cry Baby. Watch me recite this entire list by the time we're done. Six, 18 is Death Note. And I think pretty soon after that. And 21 is Made in Abyss. So the common thread between all of those is they all share a horror element. They're not like they're not strictly in horror with the exception of um mate like no not even none of them are not even um Death Note. They all share a horror element to them. I think it's interesting that all three of these were included, but Jujutsu Kaisen, for whatever reason, which... If there is a tour de force of modern, an of, like, modern shonen anime and its willingness and edginess, and its willingness to embrace the darkness, to embrace, like, dark concepts, like... People's imperfections are what gives them power. People's fucked up, like, personality flaws are what make them powerful and beautiful, which is a lot of what Jujutsu Kaisen is about. Um, the most powerful, one of the most powerful characters in that show is just a narcissist. Like, his superpower is that he's so narcissistic that he believes that he is the best, therefore he is. Um, I, 
I see you, you beautiful-eyed, blue-haired man, Mr. Gojo. Um, the fact that you include something like My Hero Academia, which has a lot going for it, but has this, like, cookie-cutter, popcorn-material feel that is just absent from something like Jujutsu Kaisen by way of the way it's that show that concept for Jujutsu Kaisen is designed it's kind of a letdown it's kind of like oh we're picking it it feels like it feels like you pick my hero academia instead of Jujutsu Kaisen not because either one is better than the other but because on with um my hero you don't have to have the conversation about the like constant darkness of um, Jujutsu Kaisen. Because from the minute go, Jujutsu Kaisen oozes creepy as fuck vibes. Oozes just like bad news. <laughs> and the best, one of the better um, ways to watch Jujutsu Kaisen if you're interested is to watch the... Um, a bridge to Jujutsu Kaisen. I strongly recommend you watch the like actual thing first, but the abridged series is hilarious because it has that same quality of like uh, brutal honesty in it that like Team Four Star DBZ abridged has. Um, but I think that I don't think this is a thing that um, outlets shouldn't do. This is, like, part of their job. This is part of the deal. But I think that... I think that if you're going to step up and do this, you should pay more attention to it. You could have, like, a voting system where at least it get well, at least you pick these things. You pick, like, maybe 100 shows and you say it's going to be whittled down to 25. Have at it, viewers. And it's out of your hands. Um... Now, don't get me wrong. They're not the only people who have this problem. Anime-exclusive platforms have this problem, too. Um, there was a year for the Crunchyroll Awards where that thing was just, like, dominated by Yuri on Ice. Like, it was... It was as if somebody at some point decided, like, we need to stand this show because externally it's important that it's a very openly gay thing. And I've covered Yuri on Ice on this podcast. I talked about it from a totally different angle of like it highlighting the lifestyle of being an international Olympic class athlete, which it also does very well. Um, but like the fans, including me, who loved Yuri on Ice, by the way, were kind of disappointed because it like it was so clear they didn't make the right. It was. It was so. It felt so much like Matt Damon winning for The Martian in Best Comedy at the Golden Globes, <laughs> which is a real thing that can ha that happened. You should look it up if you don't believe me. And so you get like building these lists, it, especially if you have outlet with with a big readership, comes with a lot of. 
responsibilities and goals and stuff that you and stuff that like you you should think about and i think they were thinking about it but i think they got like caught by their own they caught their own tail and they were like stuck in a circle for for some of this and also i think it's really interesting like at the bottom of it, i'll find it at the bottom of it and straight up read it it says Um, this story was originally ran, originally ran in November of 2019. It was updated in September, on September 22, 2022, which are our latest picks. So I think also one of the things that people aren't getting is that this, I don't think they want this to be a static thing. I think they want this to be a living list. But I think if you're going to do that, you make it really clear. You make it so clear that you can't not acknowledge it. That like it can't not be a thing. Um, and on that note, this is where I'm gonna um draw it to a close here. If you like this podcast, this is not a normal Thursday edition. Thursday editions are usually about a specific show or property, but this third edition I want to tie into a conversation I want to have on my Sunday edition podcast about media liter about um media literacy and so third editions are more like straightforward Sunday editions are more metatextual actually way more like this than than this standard Thursday edition is. The Sunday editions are about, like, anime and uh, about the anime industry, about the fandom, about the medium, and about media occasionally, that kind of stuff. So if you're interested in any of anything I just mentioned, definitely subscribe to the podcast in whatever you're using to listen to me right now. And um, definitely go follow the podcast on Instagram. Once again, that handle is lunchbox radio all one word all lowercase underscore podcast all also lowercase and until sunday i've been alex you've been listening to lunchbox radio and i'll talk to you then Tell me, Joe, do the Kora, Edo Kyoda, Majid, Hoto, Jinja, but